Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. And if you're watching online, man, we're glad that you are joining us. I'm really, really excited about today. Uh, also excited about next Sunday. You just saw a little preview about our next uh, sermon series entitled The Art of Friendship. And uh, I think uh, during quarantine, maybe you have been uh, a little displaced from some of your friendships, uh, maybe your small group. And so we're gonna spend a few weeks really diving into what it looks like to find friends, develop biblical friendships, how to keep friends, how to be a good friend, and uh, a lot of great, uh, I think, biblical truths as it relates to relationships. So excited about next Sunday today. I wanna wrap up our sermon series that we've been calling something uh, new. I really believe God wants to do something new in your life. And uh, I think as, as, we, as we experience so much change around us, uh, we really wanna see how God is working and, and what he is actually doing in our life as we face so many challenges in America right now. We, we must realize that God hasn't uh, forgotten us and he's not giving up on us. And uh, he's actually giving us an opportunity uh, to embrace this change and to do something new. I, I think... Uh, as we've been saying, COVID-19 has changed really uh, our life and we're going through a lot of change right now. And when you go through change, uh, it's difficult, it's stressful, it just is. And so we, we have to ask ourselves that question, what are we gonna do in this season of change in our life? Uh, are we gonna focus on uh, what we're losing? Or as I've been challenging you, you in this series, are we gonna actually uh, begin to focus on what this change uh, is actually bringing our way, what opportunities this change is actually providing uh, for us in our life. And so, you know, when we embrace that change, it's not only gonna grow you, but it will probably also help other people grow as well. Uh, so as we're thinking about this, I wanna remind us of this statement I've been sharing every week. Change is hard, growth is necessary. We know that God wants us to grow. God wants us to become more like Christ. And, and so uh, as we experience that growth, we know that it also uh, brings change. We can't have growth without change. Uh, this past weekend, we spent uh, some time with some folks in Camp 3, which is when we train uh, and equip uh, people who want to learn how to grow and also how, how can you help other people grow. And so they spent all day Saturday learning and, and uh, being equipped to be able to do that phenomenal uh, group of people. And so as we gear up for small groups in the next three, uh, three four weeks or so, um, we're, we're looking for more small group leaders and, and uh, we're looking for you to connect in those small groups. We'll be talking more about that, but uh, just a great weekend. If you've never done that, I wanna encourage you to put it on your radar uh, in the future. But, but uh, we've been learning, yes, growth is necessary, but that, uh, does require change in our life. Uh, we've been faced with so much change in 2020. I think our heads are still kind of spinning. And, and uh, today I wanna try to slow down that spin and, and focus on another great passage of scripture in Mark chapter four. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn there. Maybe uh, open up your phone and, and, and look at it there. And I wanna ask you this question. Have you ever been in a chaotic situation that required you to have faith? or maybe even extreme faith. Maybe you've been through a life-threatening situation. Uh, maybe you were in a bad car accident and, and uh, survived uh, you know, to tell about it. Maybe, maybe you experienced a really uh, serious health issue and 
maybe you just are going through even today a financial uh, crisis on some level because of everything that's been going on. Um, I'm sure that most of you could tell some stories about uh, moments in your life, how God protected you, how God provided for you. And uh, really, uh, in this season, I, I think in our life right now, as we face these uh, chaotic times in, in 2020, I think it's, it's definitely a time for us to kind of step back through all this chaos and ask this question, how are we going to be able to find peace in the presence of chaos? When you're going through a life-threatening situation, when you're going through a, you know, a chaotic season, when you're going through what, what our country is going through right now in this year, how do we as followers of Christ, how can we step back and how can we actually find peace in the presence of this chaos? Now in Mark chapter four, the, the context is that Jesus has been teaching all day and uh, he's been ministering to um, several you know, hundred people and uh, he tells the disciples it's, it's evening. He says, let's get in the boat. Let's go across the water, uh, seemingly to kind of get away from the crowd and, and rest. And as he gets on the boat, he's so tired that he actually falls asleep. And as he is asleep, this great storm uh, comes across the lake, comes across the water. And uh, is that really a life-threatening situation uh, in an instant for the disciples? And, and the reality is we never know when we're gonna face problems in our life. We never know when these life-threatening situations or chaotic seasons are gonna hit it. We definitely didn't know that 2020 was gonna be such a chaotic year, but, but here we are. And, and before we actually read the text, I wanna show that there are some important lessons that we need to start to embrace and understand as, as we think about problems in our life. And the first thing, if you wanna take some notes today, is that problems are inevitable. Problems are inevitable. Like, you and I will always face trouble in our life. It's just part of living in a fallen, broken world. Um, we never know when these situations are gonna come and, and, and we shouldn't be surprised by them in the sense that, that we know that we're always going to have issues and problems uh, in our life. It, it shouldn't surprise you that you have problems at work because you work with sinful people and sinful people have problems and they bring problems into the workplace. We shouldn't um, be surprised when our body breaks down because, you know, that's part of the reality of this fallen world. All of our bodies are breaking down. And so problems are inevitable in our life. Uh, when I was growing up, we, uh, we, we got this dog and we couldn't decide what to name him. And uh, we, we actually got him at the pound. Uh, we didn't say back then, you know, that we adopted this dog. Uh, we just went there because it was free. And uh, no way my dad was actually gonna uh, pay for a dog. That's just not in his DNA. And so uh, we got this dog. We're trying to name the dog. And the dog was like in trouble constantly. Like he would run away from us. Um, he was terrorizing, you know, the neighbor's pets. And, and uh, I mean, it, 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 it was chaos with this dog. He, he was just nothing but trouble. And one day, that's exactly what my dad said. He said, this dog is nothing but trouble. We're gonna name him Trouble. <laughs> and he lived up to his name. Uh, he would run away constantly. He got locked up in doggy jail a couple of times. Uh, he, he, he ate some of the chickens out of the chicken coop from one of the neighbors and got him in trouble. I mean, he was, he was always in trouble. And one day, he, he chased the school bus down. He was so excited that um, my brother and, and my sisters were getting home. Uh, he, he chased the school bus, and he chased it a little too closely. And well, 
all of his troubles were over after that day. And uh, sad story. Um, but the reality is, that's really the only time our trouble is gonna actually leave, right? When Jesus returns or we go to be with him in paradise. And so uh, problems are essentially inevitable. And so it's, it's true for each one of us today. It's true that we're gonna face problems. We're gonna face issues in the world. And uh, outside of those two realities, we're always going to face them. Now the Bible calls tri uh, problems trials. And so when you read the Bible, you're gonna see that word trials a lot. And in fact, the Bible tells us to do something with trials that's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Here's what, the, what Jesus's half brother, James, says in James chapter one. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now think about that. How ridiculous is that statement? to actually um, take joy, have joy when you're going through a chaotic season, a life-threatening season? Like why in the world, how in the world could that even be possible? And he goes on, he continues, he says, this is how you do it, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, you can make it through this trial that you might be facing because you know that God is going to use this situation in order to mature your faith. He's actually making us complete. He's actually maturing us through the troubles and, and the trials that you and I face. Now, yes, we know that problems are inevitable, but secondly, problems are unpredictable. James says, whenever you face trials, in other words, you never know when they're gonna come. Whenever you face them, no matter when they come, they're unpredictable, but when they come, you can take joy in knowing that God is growing you and maturing you. So COVID-19 has surprised all of us. Nobody was ready for this. We didn't know that this was gonna happen. How in the world could you know this was gonna happen? And in fact, uh, for trials and you know, life-threatening situations that we go through. I mean, you never know how you're gonna respond. I mean, you can, you can think you're gonna respond this way or that way, but it doesn't actually, you know, really, really show until something like that actually um, shows up in your life and, and you're, you're, you're actually faced with that uh, issue and you're faced with that problem. And so when we face it, we wanna face that through the filter of our faith. And that's the difference between someone who doesn't know Christ and someone that does follow Jesus, that those situations come and we don't just simply react. We don't just simply, you know, out of emotion react. What we do is we process what's happening through the filter of our faith and then the response can come. And so that's important. So problems are unpredictable, but thirdly, problems are unbiased. And so by that, I mean, it happens to all of us. Uh, problems in life, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Uh, if you're rich, you're gonna have problems. If you're poor, you're gonna have problems. Uh, problems don't care about the color of your skin. It doesn't care. Every single one of us uh, are going to be affected in some way by issues, by life-threatening situations at some point in our life. And so it's important for us to kind of wrap our mind around problems as we go into uh, this particular passage. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, He's already told us that we're gonna face these trials. They're gonna test our faith. Jesus is gonna mature us through this. And in this story, that's exactly what happens. 
Jesus actually allows a big problem to enter into the life of the disciples because he's got a big lesson he wants them to learn. He actually wants to test their faith. And so he takes them through this experience. So in Mark chapter four, let's begin reading here in verse 35. It says, on that day when evening had come, so it was, it was nighttime, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took with them, uh, they, they took him with them in the boat. And just as he was, and other boats were with them as well. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. Must have been a really nice pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and they said to, him, to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now in verse 35, you might circle this. Uh, it says that Jesus actually tells them, let's go. You know, let's go across the water. Now, obviously, Jesus knows what's about to happen. So Jesus is the one that leads them into this great storm. And that's kind of hard for us to wrap our mind around sometimes. Because sometimes we assume that it's God's job to create smooth sailing for us all the time. And that's just not reality. God sometimes leads us into a storm because he wants us to learn something. And as James says, he wants us to grow in some way. In verse 37, this storm hits. And uh, the word that's used there, the original word, actually uh, should lead us to believe that it's a hurricane type wind. That's the kind of storm we're dealing with. It wasn't just like a, you know, the storm that we, we you know, felt yesterday. I don't know if it stormed at your house, but lightning came and it was kind of windy for a while. Not that kind of storm. It was like a hurricane type storm that hit. So here they are immediately, unpredicted. You know, they are in the middle of a life-threatening situation. Now at this point, let's pause for a second. And we remember another story that parallels with this story from the Old Testament. You remember the story of Jonah. And uh, Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh to preach repentance. And instead he disobeys and he goes to another city, gets on a boat, goes in the opposite direction. God sends a great storm. Uh, Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat, just like Jesus. And the guys on the boat are freaking out and they go down and they wake up Jonah and they're like, how can you sleep during this storm? And uh, they're trying to figure out who's the cause of this storm. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they were like, sorry, Jonah, and threw him out of the boat, right? And then a great fish comes and swallows him up. And for three days, he lives in the belly of this fish until it, he gets vomited out onto a, a beach somewhere. And, and, and so similarly, Jesus is asleep in the boat when the storm hits. And just like the men on Jonah's boat, the disciples are freaking out and they wanna know what is going on here. And, and I would say that many of us uh, today, uh, many of us are facing some kind of uh, chaos in our life. We're all kind of facing this COVID-19 issue together and maybe we're, we're, we're freaking out. So the question then that I want you to begin to ask as we look at this story is how do you respond to a chaotic situation in your life? How do you respond to this? Like, what is your initial response? Do we respond like the world? Um, do we respond like everybody else? 
Or is there a different approach to this? And so the first thing that I would say, you, you can be filled with panic. I mean, when you face this chaotic season in your life, you could be you know, just the person that responds and is filled with panic. Now these fishermen who are experienced on the water immediately are panicking. Immediately that panic sets in. And, and I think, you know, for our situation, the virus hit back in March, everyone kind of begins to panic, don't they? Um, we don't know, is this the end of the world? Are we gonna catch this thing? Are we gonna die? I don't know, but let's go to Walmart and buy all of the toilet paper. That was, that was all we could think about. Like that's all we needed. And so we can be filled with panic and, and uh, we've gotta be careful about allowing that emotion to overwhelm us. But secondly, we could also be filled with fear. Now, fear, I think, is a natural human instinct. And so if you were fearful when the virus hit, uh, if you are still fearful today in some ways, some, you know, that healthy fear, it can be you know, a positive thing. And I don't think it's fear in general that we need to be aware of that, that could be you know, causing us to not grow in our faith, but it's actually what we do with that fear that matters. So the fear hits us, that's natural. But what do you do with that fear? Do you let it discourage you and, and you just don't even try? Do you let that fear kind of grip you so that you don't even make an effort? Are, are you allowing that fear to motivate you to serve God or has it demotivated you to serve God? So I think in a lot of ways, the question is how are we in fact responding when that fear hits us? Uh, just like the men in Jonah's ship, they were afraid. Uh, the, the disciples are panicking. They are fearful. They feel like they're about to die. So they go and they wake Jesus up and they actually criticize Jesus in their moment of chaos. They criticize him and they say, don't you even care? <laughs> you know, the reality is for some of us in the middle of chaos, Instead of trusting Jesus, we accuse Jesus. That's exactly what the disciples do. They, they accused Jesus of not caring. Now, I wish I could say that, you know, I can't relate to the disciples. I, I wish I could say that I've got these great stories of how when I was filled with fear and panic and uh, life-threatening situation, chaos in my life comes, that, that I just simply was bold and had faith and trust in Jesus, but... I'm too much like the disciples. I've accused him as well. Maybe you have. Jesus, I've got a loved one. They're sick. I am sick. Jesus, my business is falling apart. Don't you care, right? Um, a couple years ago when, when we lost my mom to cancer and in the, in, in really the same 12 month period, we lost my sister to cancer. I, I, was, I was saying that quite a bit. Like, God, do you not care? Um, where, where are you at in this? And maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe you're in a situation today and you're asking God, don't you care? Like, where are you at? Are you asleep? You know, we, we, we can be filled with panic. We can be filled with uh, fear. But I think what we all wanna be filled with is peace. See, you and I can be filled with peace in the midst of chaos in the midst of everything that's going around right now, you can have peace. Peace in your marriage, peace in your business, peace as it relates to the virus. All of these situations, when Jesus Christ is in your life, you can actually experience peace. Now, Jesus, 
in the story. He's obviously filled with peace because he is asleep when this hurricane storm has blown across the ship. Like he's demonstrating that like he's not worried at all. Now, I don't know about you, but I know there's a lot of troubling situations that happen uh, in my life and it's hard for me to actually sleep when that happens. Like for me, sometimes it's like, I know something is about to happen or uh, I'm going through something, it's hard for me to go to sleep. And sometimes as I'm wrestling with that, I wake up super early. And, and so, man, that's just the struggle that I think some of us you know, tend to deal with when we're going through challenging situations. But for Jesus, it's not a problem. For Jesus, he's actually filled with peace. And, and I don't know about you, but what we're learning about Jesus here is, is something that could, could really change our perspective. Because when we're wrestling, when we're worried, when we're anxious and we can't sleep, what we're demonstrating perhaps is a lack of faith. And really, some of the most spiritually, one of the most spiritually mature decisions and, and one of the most spiritual, worshipful things that you could do is actually go home and take a nap. Now the college students are like, yes, I can't wait to tell my mom this. I've been trying to tell her this is a good thing. No, see, the reality is, what if in the middle of this chaos, what if in the middle of this anxiety, you're afraid, you're fearful, that you actually knelt down by your bedside and you actually said, God, I know you're in control. God, I'm afraid, I'm fearful. I don't know how this is gonna end. I know you're in control and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting my faith in you. I, I wanna trust you in this season. And right now, I just need to rest. I'm gonna let you be God. I'm gonna let you do your work. I know you are working on my behalf. So in this moment, I'm just gonna lay it over into your hands. And God says, finally, <laughs> been waiting for you to do that very thing and to be able to go to sleep at night and trust that God is in control. You see, what I, I, I love about this story is it shows the humanity of Jesus. Uh, we know the scripture teaches us that Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. That's why we call him the God man. And so as a man, we're seeing the humanity of Jesus here. He's been preaching and teaching all day, so he's exhausted and he needs to sleep. Uh, this is the only time in the Bible we see that Jesus is actually sleeping. But elsewhere in the Bible, we see his, uh, we see his uh, humanity. We see that he got hungry. We see that he was thirsty, that he got angry. He cried. He even died. Um, and, 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 and still, even in the midst of all of this, Jesus has a lesson that he wants to teach the disciples. And I think it's a lesson that you and I need to learn today. So let me close with this today. A few points. What do we need to know about Jesus in this passage that can build our faith and give us peace? Because that's what Jesus is doing. He wants to build their faith. He wants to give them peace. So what do, we, what do we do? How do we get this in our own life? And I would say, number one, Jesus is with you, right? This is a good reminder. Jesus is with you. He climbed into the boat with them. He said, let's go. I know it's about to happen. I'm gonna lead you there anywhere. anyway. I wanna show you something. I wanna, I wanna teach you something. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm with you. I'm right beside you in your pain, in your chaos. And so some people um, are, are, are you know, going through an issue 
And as they go through this issue, essentially what they're saying, you know, they question God. Are, are you with me, God? Are you, are you, are you, you know, have you abandoned me? We feel like he, he's just not with us sometimes. And the reality from this story is that, yeah, of course, he's, he's with us. He's with you today. Uh, one of my favorite uh, old pastors is Charles Spurgeon. If you know me, you know this. One time he said, God is too wise to err. He's too good to be unkind. Leave off doubting him and begin to trust him for in so doing, you will put a crown on his head. I love that imagery. It's like, okay, he's too kind to abandon you. He's too wise to make a mistake. He's not making a mistake. He's got a plan. He's doing something. Leave off doubting. And when you're able to say, you know what? I'm gonna trust you in this situation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that you're walking with me. You're not abandoning, abandoning me. I'm, I'm gonna give you full control. I'm gonna lay down these burdens in your hands, Lord. Essentially what we're doing is we're putting a crown on his head. We're saying, you're my king. I'm trusting you. you I'm trusting that you're in control. And uh, what a great imagery of just putting the crown on Jesus's head every time we say, I'm trusting you. I know you're with me. But the second thing that we learn here is, and the most important thing, by the way, in this story, is that Jesus has all authority. He has all authority. Um, we can trust that Jesus is with us today and that he has all authority. We actually sang about his authority today. We said, you know, all authority belongs to you. We proclaim that because all authority uh, is in his name, right? So he breaks down uh, uh, all walls. He breaks down, you know, all barriers. He can do the impossible. All authority and power is in the name of Jesus. And so in the story, what we're seeing in verse 39 is that he rebukes the wind. He rebukes the storm. And in the original language, it's one word. Uh, it's translated, peace be still. And immediately the wind stops and the seas calm down. And he shows us that he is in fact, he has all authority over weather, of course. The word rebuke there is the same word that Jesus's, uh, that the, the Bible uses uh, when Jesus rebukes demons. So a lot of people actually believe that in, in, in some way, demonic forces have some kind of power over weather. I don't know about all that, but what I do know is Jesus has all authority over the weather. He has all authority over demons. He has all authority over every situation that you face today. So we can trust him in every single situation that we face. Um, that's what all authority actually looks like when he controls the wind, the rain, the sun, the moon. He controls every situation. He controls uh, every political season. He controls every virus. He controls uh, all of our futures. He controls everything that happens in the economy. Like he is in control. He has all authority. He has the very control over your life, whether you will go to heaven or you will go to hell. Like Jesus has all authority. And at the end of this story, Jesus asked the disciples a question. And it's a question that I think is important for you and I to actually wrestle with today. It's a question that you and I need to be challenged with today. And it's actually the reason why he actually goes across the lake in the first place and, 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 and allows this storm to happen because he wanted this moment to happen for the disciples. In verse 40, he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you still afraid? Have you, do, do you have no faith still? 
You have no faith? Why, why are you so afraid? You see, Jesus is with you. He has all authority, which means you can trust him in this chaotic season. He has authority over, over every area of our life. So yes, we can trust him. And when we're actually experiencing this fear in our life that leads us to doubt, which leads us to continually fear, we're allowing that, 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 that season to, to actually take us away from God instead of actually lead us into a deeper relationship with God. Friends, God isn't asleep on you. I know change is hard, but I do know growth is necessary. God would rather see you grow and mature in your faith than see you coast on smooth waters your entire life. He would rather you experience ultimate joy. He would rather you experience the peace that transcends all understanding. And so the question in verse 40, the reason why the, the, the storm came in the first place is the same question that we need to wrestle with today. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid about the economy? Why are you so afraid about politics? Why are you so afraid of the virus? Why are you so afraid for your children's health? Is God not still God? Is God not still in control? Does he still not have authority? I, I look at everything that is happening and I think, man, we, we really, the result of the panic and fear, I think, is, is the result of, in a lot of ways, uh, a, a culture that has become very spoiled. You look at history and you see all the viruses that swept this country, from you know, smallpox to you know, the Spanish flu to you name it, and thousands of people died. This virus has a 99.6 survival rate. <laughs> More people are dying from the flu and we are freaking out. God is still God, right? Be smart, clean your hands, wear a mask, but God is in control. Send your kids back to school for crying out loud. Like, we're going to Walmart, we're going to Target with a mask. Come to church and wear a mask, right? Let's live our life. And I think this chaotic season is teaching us a lot about who we are and a lot about our fear, a lot about our panic, and a lot about where our faith is actually at. And for all of us, I think a chaotic experience might teach you the best lesson you will ever learn in your life. And that very well could be that you can trust Jesus in the chaos. And for some of us, we can't try anything new because we're not trusting Jesus. For some of us, we're not trusting him, which means that we're not able to enter society again. We're not able to you know, live our life again. All we wanna do is consistently you know, panic and, and live in fear. And um, he says, I want you to trust me. So I'm gonna bring chaotic experiences in your life. And when those chaotic experiences happen, fear's gonna creep in, but it's what you do with that fear that matters. And if you know Jesus today, you know this. You know you can trust him. You know he has all authority. He took your sin to the cross and he rose from the grave. You can know that he can be trusted. You know that all of the trials that you face in your life are there so that you can grow and you can mature. It's not wasted. So why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid?
the closing verse in verse 41, the disciples, they question, they're just kind of talking to themselves and they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> Even the wind and the rain do what he says. And, they're, and the Bible says that they're afraid. The scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And it's this healthy fear that, yeah, God has all authority. So yeah, when the wind and the rain come, there's gonna be some fear. What do we do with that fear? Ultimately, we need to understand that the power of God is far greater than any hurricane in, in our life. It's more terrifying than a virus. One can claim your life, but the other can claim your soul. And so from last week's boat lesson to this one, the disciples are learning a lot about who Jesus actually is. And you and I have to decide for ourselves, are we going to believe Jesus? Is he who he said he, he was and is? Or is he just a liar? Is he just a crazy person? The parallel story, um, the story of Jonah is ultimately seen in the reality that Jesus is the greater Jonah. Jesus was swallowed up in the sea of God's wrath against sin when he hung on the cross for you. And when he defeated the grave, when he defeated death, when he rose again, he proved that he was who he said he is and that he can do what he wants to do in your life, that he can restore your relationship with God. He can give you heaven. He can give you forgiveness. But you've gotta be willing to put your faith and trust in him. Final thought today, Jesus endured the ultimate storm for you so that you could find ultimate peace in him. So that no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter how this whole thing pans out, the ultimate goal for followers of Jesus is to find the peace of God. And the peace of God is only experienced through relationship with Jesus. And the only way you experience a relationship with Jesus is if you're in the word of God, if you're around other believers, if you're living and following Jesus, if you're committed to his mission, as you do those things, that's your part. The peace that transcends all understanding floods your soul, it floods your heart. I mean, if you think you're gonna show up to church or listen to you know, one sermon a week and kind of drop a quarter, almost like you're playing a video game and, and be able to experience something that's gonna, man, it's gonna help. But this kind of peace in a chaotic season only comes when you are diving in and you are pouring over the word of God and you're learning to pray and you're, you're around other believers and all of these things that are surrounding you, God grows your faith. See, we can trust that no matter what trial we're facing today, Jesus is our peace, he is our joy. Even when the, the storm is raging, we can be comforted by the reality that Jesus is with us. He's got all authority. Therefore, we can trust him in the chaos. We can trust him and we can find peace when nobody else around us even knows what that feels like or looks like. You can actually experience it. We're gonna close our time today with a, a song called The Place of Peace that we can just sing that to God and let the truth of those words just fill our hearts today. If there is a, a decision that you need to make, if you need to give your life to Christ, if you wanna to talk to somebody about faith, the Care and Prayer Room is open today. You can actually scan that barcode in front of you and let us know and we'll follow up with you. If you're watching from home, 
you can text the number that's coming up on the screen and someone will follow up with you. No matter what you're going through today, I mean, it's exciting to know that, hey, the disciples went through some stuff, right? They failed, we've gone through some stuff, we failed. But at, at the end of the day, we've got a God who's with us, who hasn't abandoned us, and he's gonna do something new in us if we allow him. Let's pray together. Father, we trust that you are good. We trust that you are with us in the midst of this storm. We trust that you are going to take care of every situation that we're facing today. And sometimes, God, we feel alone and sometimes we feel like you're not working. And so today we wanna confess to you. We wanna trust and know that you are working. We believe it. We know it is true, God. Continually remind us that you are there. Continually remind us that you are going to provide. This is what maturity looks like. Actually going through a challenge and still trusting you and still finding you, and still seeing you working. And that's what we wanna to do today, God. And so as we sing, speak to our hearts, let the truth of this song reign over us and fill our hearts, fill our spirit, flood our heart and mind today, God, with your truth, with your love. We praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.